y'all can have a seat. Good to have you with us. Glad to see you here. Welcome to those who are watching online. Always snows on the weekends, doesn't it? What's come on? What's up with that? Anyway, I'm glad you made it out in here. And especially if you're a guest, man, that's hardcore to show up on a day like this when you're a guest. But uh, hopefully you'll, you'll relax, enjoy the service, and you might walk away saying, I'm not sure if I believe all that stuff, but I kind of liked it. I'm going to come back, and that's a win. That's good. Because, look, look, I think we get, we get wrapped up. We get occupied in a lot of stuff that's not very important, pretty insignificant, even trivial kinds of things, right? It's like the businessman who misses his daughter's graduation because he wanted to make sure he went to that golf tournament with the important client, right? Or uh, the way that we will bury our faces in our smartphones while we're sitting right across the table from our spouse or a parent or a friend. Clipping those 20 cent off coupons, you know, while neglecting to find the right insurance policy or invest in the right mutual funds, losing hundreds or thousands of dollars. Neglecting the more important things like that. It could be even just neglecting to save for retirement because we want to buy all the stuff we want right now. And we wake up one day and we don't have very much left to live on. So here we're going to talk about Jesus as an investment advisor. You may have never thought of him that way, but really he talks to us a lot about how to invest our lives, our treasures, our time, our talents, everything we have. And really I'll listen to him because it's his stuff. He's the owner of it. We're just the managers. I mean, think about it in this terms. Can you imagine investing your funds with a brokerage firm where uh, you, you designate where you want them to make the best investments, and then uh, a few weeks later you get your financial statement from them, and they haven't done anything you asked. They've put it in all kinds of other investments. In fact, a big portion of your funds they spent on personal items for themselves. And so you go in to see your broker and say, what's going on with my money? You're not doing anything I asked you to do. Who do you think you are? And your broker calmly responds, well, you did give me your money. I mean, I thought it was mine. Uh, I could do with it whatever I wanted to, right? Well, that's what we do with God, right? It's his, it's his stuff. And so we're supposed to be the managers. We're supposed to be the stewards of it and use it in alignment with his will and his priorities, not on, on what we want. In fact, one day the books are going to be opened, right? Paul says this in Romans 14, 12. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. You ready to have God open up the books on how you manage the life that he gave you? I mean, uh, we dream of having this bigger, better life all the time, more money, luxuries. Of, I mean, it's good stuff. Having a satisfying career, happy family, those are good things. But if that's all that we're dreaming of, if that's all we're going after, then we're going to miss out on the better things that God has for us, on the best things, because we're not making the best investments all the time. I mean, you can make some really poor investments. Just ask anybody who invested in Kmart or Sears or, or uh, Toys R Us, compact computers, right? Not every investment is a wise one. And maybe there are some investments you need to get out of right now. You just need to cut your losses and move on and find something else to invest yourself in, something that produces a much higher yield. And I'm telling you, anything in this world is not going to be a blue chip stock for you because the things of this world are not where you want to invest yourself. It's not going to last. You might, you might not lose your shirt, but you're going to lose something more important, right? Jesus says in Mark 8, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? See, because we think we're going to be happy. We're going to be secure once we get just a little bit more money. And, it, you know, it never works out that way because when we get it, when our income rises, we're still not happy. We still think it's going to take more. Here we live in this time of great material prosperity and people are more stressed and depressed and unhappy than ever before in the midst of all this abundance and leisure options, entertainment choices. We're complaining. We're, we're, we're anxious. 
It's not satisfying. We're, we're, okay, we're upscaling our lifestyles, but we're downscaling and downsizing our lives. So what's your idea of the good life? What, what is life really supposed to be about? What is your life purpose? Because whatever you envision that to be, and we all envision our lives are about something, whether consciously or not, that's what you spend yourself on. You know, you invest your time, treasures, talents, everything into pursuing that vision. Resources, energy, it all goes into that. And I don't know about you, but I want to spend my life on something that's bigger than that, something more important than just me and my wants. I want to, I want to consider why do I have the blessings I have? Why did God give me these things? Am I leveraging these blessings for my own wants and wishes or for something greater than me? How am I using this one and only life that God has given me. Am I investing it wisely or am I really wasting it? Because in Matthew 6, Jesus challenges us about what matters most in life. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And really, isn't life about more than all the stuff here on this world? So don't worry saying, what do we eat? What do we drink? What do we wear? For it's the pagans, the unbelievers. The, the people who don't know God that run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows you need them. Now, here it is. This is a, I want you to say this out loud with me. This will make a great memory verse for us. Verse 33. Here we go. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, I don't know about you, but it's, it's hard for me to know exactly what that means, to seek first him and his kingdom and his righteousness. I don't think any of us have really come to grips with how deep and raw that kind of commitment really is. All I know is that it means I'm not just trying to fit God into my life somehow, but instead it should be that I'm trying to center my life around God. I'm trying to make him the top priority in my life. And then I trust him for everything else, for all the provisions of my life. But we, we, we don't want to do that. It's, it's, it's nerve-wracking, it's scary to trust God like that, to put him in charge of our lives because we want to be in control. We don't want to lose control. We, we want our wants to be in first place while Jesus wants us to die to ourselves and pick up a cross and follow him. Nobody wants to do that. We're scared of letting go and trusting him. And I don't care who you are, I don't care how long you've been a believer, it just is. That's difficult to do. But all I know is that God does want us to do life his way instead of continuing to strive after stuff we want, striving after the American dream, to have a bigger dream for that, to have a bigger vision for that, to want what God wants for my life more than anything else, to put Jesus first. And he says when we do that, when we, we put him first, and we're not stressed about everything else, He'll take care of the rest and we'll be blessed. And that's our big idea is to prioritize God and he'll take care of the rest. So we're going to seek after him. We're going to strive after him. We're going to go all out, all in and go after what God wants for my life, his purposes. Give God first place and trust that he'll meet my needs. Put in first place, those things that are most important, most the spiritual things, the eternal things. When Jesus, Jesus says, when you put these first things first, then God's going to provide everything else and he's going to put everything else into place. And I, look, that doesn't mean that you're going to get everything you're hoping for, everything you think you want, but we're going to get what we need. 
And I don't always know what, what I need. I mean, God knows what I need. I think I know what I need, but God really knows it better than I do. And certainly he has a bigger perspective and a longer perspective than I do on what's really important. So when we seek God first, God first and his kingdom and pursue righteousness, you know, we, we do life his way. That, that's what it means. Seek his righteousness. I'm going to do the right thing his way. Guess what happens? All the stuff of this world begins to lose its grip on our lives. It breaks the grip of all that stuff because Jesus is striking at the heart of our bucket list. You know, all the stuff we want to do, that we want to accomplish, that we want to gain. We spend so much time and effort and energy and money on the things of this world that we lose sight on what's really important, what matters most. Jesus doesn't say, here's where we get confused. He doesn't say where you put your heart, whatever you put your heart into, then, you know, all your treasure, everything else is going to follow that. That's that's exactly opposite of what he says. Because obviously we think, well, if I really care about something, then I'm going to invest in that, right? He's saying, look, it's, you got whatever you put your treasure in, whatever is most important to you, what matters, your time, energy, you know, your, your abilities, your skills, wherever you put all that stuff, then your heart's going to follow there. That's, that's very different. I mean, if you choose to focus everything on the stuff of this world, on your desires and wants and bucket lists and the then that's all you're going to get. I mean, that's, that's a pretty poor investment. It's not going to pay off very well. It's very short-term, very low-yield kind of investment. But when you store your treasures, what you really care about, when all that, when all that goes toward heavenly things, the things of God, your heart follows. You get, your heart starts to fall in love with God, with the things of God. You get excited about what God's doing because you're already invested in it. You're a part of what he's doing. And so I, I think that's true. Whatever you invest in, first, whatever you invest in, that's going to become important to you. Not ever what, what's important you're going to invest in, but whatever you invest in is going to become important to you. So if you, know, if you invest in a car, okay, now you're gonna, you're gonna, your money's going to follow it, whether you like it or not, right? Uh, and you're going to care about keeping that car in good shape. When it's somebody else's stuff, right, when you're renting or something, you don't care as much. Isn't that true? But when it's yours, you, okay. Rental property, when it's your property, you're going to make sure it's well-maintained. It's somebody else's property, eh. If you invest in, in, in a company, you buy some stock, you really begin to care how that company is doing. Right? Same thing happens with our relationships. If you feel like you're beginning to fall out of love with your spouse, that's not the time to seal off your heart and live as strangers under the same roof. It's not the time to pursue an affair or to call a lawyer. What's it time for? It's time to start investing again in your marriage, to put your energy and efforts and money and time back into your marriage. Even if you don't get anything in return just yet, you put all that into your marriage and guess what's going to happen? Your heart follows. You begin to care a lot more. If you sacrificially invest time and energy and money into your marriage, you're going to be motivated now to make your marriage work, to successfully rekindle the love. Your heart's going to follow the investment. Make sense? When you choose to invest in God's purposes, then your heart follows. For example, when you begin to give money to a missionary, you begin to pray for that missionary daily because you're invested now. When you give money to a church, you get excited about reports of people meeting Christ there because you're invested in it. And now you really care about it. 
I mean, when you're, like, when you're invested in South Point, when you give your money here, you really care how these services go, right? You care that everything's working the way it works, and everybody's doing a good job, and you're no longer just a, a spectator. You're, you're, you're an owner. You're involved. You love it, okay? Wherever your treasure is, that's what you're going to be most interested in because that's where your heart is. And I hope God will help us to reevaluate where our hearts are, that we'll readjust our priorities to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, put our hearts there. I love this. There, there's this really great one-line sermon in the Bible. <laughs> and it was spoken by Mary, the mother of Jesus. Do you remember when they, they went to that wedding feast and they ran out of wine? And so Mary tells the wedding attendants, I love it, John 2, 5, do whatever he tells you. Isn't that great? What a great sermon. Do whatever he tells you. We need to have that absolutely stamped on our credit cards. Do whatever Jesus tells you. We need to have it engraved on our watches. Do whatever he tells you. We need to have it scrawled across our mirrors. Do whatever he tells you. What is Jesus telling me to do with my life? If we're ever going to find purpose and peace in life, that's the question we've got to keep asking ourselves. What does he want me to do with my life? We need to get a vision of how worthless the things of this world are compared to his kingdom to prioritize God. He'll take care of the rest. Now, what does that look like in today's environment? Well, I'll tell you what it looks like to other people. People are going to think you're crazy. When they see you showing up to church every week in the snow, they're going to think you're nuts. What, what, why are you doing that? Okay, I can understand going to church a few times a year for a little inspirational pick-me-up, but every week, what a waste of time. You're wasting your weekends. They're not going to understand that what you're really doing is you're prioritizing God. God first every week. God gets first every week. And that's investing in my soul and in my family's spiritual growth and in the mission of God. And now when people see you investing money in God's work, oh man, now you've really gone off the deep end. Okay, I, you can throw away a few bucks here and there at church. I mean, kind of like playing the lottery. Just, all right, just a little fun, do that. But to seriously sacrifice for church stuff? Are you kidding me? What a waste of money. You have completely been duped. They're not going to understand that you're prioritizing God above all else. He's first in my finances. He's first in everything. And actually what I'm doing is I'm partnering with him in a cause bigger than myself in the greatest cause in the world. The only thing that's going to last forever because only God and people are going to last forever, right? That makes sense. That's a good investment, but they're not going to understand that. And then when they see you taking some old book like the Bible so seriously and actually living your life by its outdated principles and ordering your, your behaviors around its primitive backwards morality, Oh, my God, you are not going to be popular at all. I mean, they're going to think you're a loser, you're a freak, you're totally uncool. And they might not say that out loud, but they're thinking it. And some of them will say it right out loud and, and worse. I love what uh, Chrissy Metz has to say. She's on that TV show, popular show, This Is Us. She's a Christian. Listen. It is hard, I think, now... Um to just be really vocal about your faith or, or what you believe in because people want to think it's not cool or, you know, or, but I'm like, I don't care. 
I have to do what I have to do for me, and I know that the only person that shows up for me time and time again is God, and is that 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 higher power that's greater than myself, and so I I have to honor that, and because not because I have to, because I want to, even though it might people might think it's the uncool thing to do. It's like there's there's no question for me. There's like no there's like no question about it. See what they don't understand is you don't care if it's cool. I don't care if it's cool. I care if it's correct. Is it the right thing to do? Who cares about cool? And what's ironic is they're the ones actually wasting their lives. They don't even realize it because they're so wrapped up in, in all the things of this world and what other people think of them, right? People, oh, what do other people think? And they don't even care what God thinks about them. That's the only person that matters. They're so, they care so much about the stuff of this world, the latest trends and fashions over ancient wisdom. So concerned over outward appearances, not caring so much about their souls. Who's making the wise investment here? And we have something that's so much bigger and greater, something actually worth living and dying for. I mean, who else can say that? I have a cause worth dying for. I give my life for what I believe in. And we, we, all, we all have this personal mission to share the good news. We believe in this so much that we think everybody needs it because that's what Jesus told us. Is he said, go make disciples of all the world. And that's not the minister's mission. That's not the missionary's mission. That's all of us. We're all disciple-making disciples, which I hope you heard last week in our 2019 vision talk. If you didn't get to hear it, watch it online. That's our personal mission. We want to take a little bit of time here at the end to focus on some missions that are doing some great work beyond South Point, beyond Downriver, who are out there changing lives and changing communities. These are the missions that matter, that are worth investing in. And South Point supports these. So that's why I want to encourage you. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have our second annual Celebration of Generosity. This went really great last year. So February 9th and 10th, again, we're going to encourage you to bring a special offering. And everything given that entire week, every dollar is going to go outside South Point. Doesn't go to us. Goes outside to these great mission organizations that are changing so many lives. And so this is going to give you a chance personally to express your support for what these missions are doing. And hopefully it will, it will involve giving more than you usually give on a typical weekend because you're, you're saying, I believe in this. And you did that last year and you gave a great amount. You gave, I think, over $56,000 in one week. And I know we can do even better than that this week. So for these three weeks, we're going to highlight the good work these these uh, missions are doing the good works and the good news of Jesus because they don't get enough attention. And we group them around here into three categories. First, we support church planting. That's the starting of new churches. Secondly, compassion outreach. That's taking care of physical and material needs with the goal of directing people to Jesus. And third is global evangelism. That's all other forms of reaching people with the good news by sending out ministers and missionaries. And so this first week, we're going to focus on church planting. We believe so strongly in starting new churches that we actually support two church planting organizations because we believe that starting new churches is by far the best way to reach new people for Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul, wherever he went, he started new churches. And that's the way we're going to continue to reach the world today. Are people willing to pioneer new works in new places. And the first one we support is New Churches of Christ Evangelism. And literally, it's the first one we support because we've been supporting it from day one. Why? Because they helped start us. You know, years ago, they helped fund 
the starting of South Point Church. And so in the past several years, we have become by far the largest contributor to this mission that there is. In fact, uh, they also helped a little bit with starting our second campus in Allen Park and our third one in Huron. So we believe in the work they're doing. In fact, they helped launch one of the biggest churches around these days, a 242 Community Church in uh, Brighton, which has you know, several campuses now, um, growing, reaching a lot of people. Their latest one is in Saginaw. Their fourth one is in Saginaw. They've already outgrown the facility they were in. Just started one year ago. They're already now in a high school meeting, and they have baptized 13 people so far. And you see a montage of people getting baptized in that portable tub there. Also in 2018, NCC helped with the launch of Taylor's LifeBridge Church, which is close by us, but they opened a second campus last year in Monroe, a small dying sister church down there, closed their doors, turned over the building to them, and LifeBridge now is in there and reaching more people and baptizing people into Christ. Last year, NCC also helped start Ubley Christian Church. Did you know there's a place in Michigan called Ubley? I did not know that, but there is, and they're doing great work there northeast of Saginaw in the Thumb. And then a couple of years ago, NCC helped launch the Lakes Church. You might remember this from last year on the west side of the state in Fruitport. They're doing great. They're growing. They're reaching a lot of people as well. Your giving makes all that possible. Now, the other church planning mission we support is Impact Canada. They help start churches in very difficult places, unchurched places. Canada is definitely a mission field. For example, six years ago, Impact Canada helped with the launch of the Message Christian Church in Orangeville, Ontario. And then they also helped start Emmaus Church in Burlington, Ontario, which has experienced some steady growth. And over the past year, they had 83 new first-time guests, and 20 of them decided to stay and make Emmaus their church home, as well as helping to start the Crossing Christian Church in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, which meets in a cineplex. So can you imagine how many lives in, in all these communities are being changed because these churches have been started there. So I want you to hear from Impact Canada's director, Jim Toon. People have looked at Canada. There's, a, there's an American country singer who had a song called Fly Over States. We talk about uh, ex rich executives on jets flying over states that they thought had nothing much going on. And for too long, Canada has been looked at that way uh, as far as its opportunities as a mission field. It's a place to fly over on your way to real missions. And I think a lot of times because we, we look and, and think and, and share an identity with other North Americans and, and other Westerners, we enjoy some financial prosperity and are, are modern and cosmopolitan. But the assumption is that there's not a need for church work and evangelism in Canada, but there certainly is. I'll give you a few figures. We, we've been planting churches in Canada's most unchurched, large cities. And I've been involved in some church planting in, in other places, for example, the United States. And a general rule of thumb was if the population was less than one church per every thousand people, then that was a cue that that was an area that, that, that needed a new church, needed gospel impact and influence. We're planting churches where there's one evangelical church per every 15,000 of population. Uh, the need is real, the opportunity is amazing, and more and more doors are opening for us. Yeah. So their next projects are going to be in the Toronto area and in the city halfway between Detroit and Toronto, London, 
Ontario. Excited about that. They're just looking for a lead guy for that. So these are people and places definitely worth investing in. And your giving makes all that possible. So here's what I hope you'll do over the next 21 days. I want to give you a 21 day challenge to prioritize God, to put Jesus first. Hope you'll do this. Number one is to attend the next two weekends in this series. Okay, we're going to be talking about investing in what appreciates and in what lasts. So will you do that? Will you show up for the next two weeks? Number two, to memorize a Bible verse each week, you know, to let the word of God seep into your thinking, to uh, to prioritize and reorient your your agendas and what's important to you and give you a better perspective on living. Now, I know one verse per week is not going to do all that. You need a little bit more than that. So I'd encourage you maybe to read like the whole chapter, Matthew chapter six. But for your memory verse, we're going to go back to verse 33. I said it'd be a good memory verse. And here it is. We're going to say it out loud again together. But this time it's all on you. I'm just going to start you out here. Here we go. But seek Matthew. All right. You're on your way there. Number three is to invest in that celebration of generosity, February 9 and 10. Hope you'll pray about um, what God would have you give, that you could be as generous as possible, how you can be a part of this. Because remember, this offering isn't about us. It doesn't benefit us in any way. This is this is going outside our church to bless so many others and you know, again, where you're, you're investing in what matters to God, where God's heart is and your heart's going to follow that. And then number four, would you do this? Pray daily and fast from something for three weeks. Uh Oh, just got serious <laughs> fast. All right. Why? Well, because I think this helps us focus a little bit more on what's really important instead of the things of this world on things that are more spiritual and eternal. So I hope you'll pray for these mission organizations, especially NCCE and Impact Canada over these days. And I go without food for a certain period of time or maybe just certain kinds of foods, maybe sodas, coffee, uh, TV, social media, gaming, smoking, you know, something that is a sacrifice that costs you something ideally because the money that you save on that, whatever it is, you could then dedicate to that celebration of generosity. So, for example, if you like skip three meals this week and for three weeks you skip three meals and you could do that all in one shot 24 hours three meals or just you know one meal for three different days or you know skip two meals in a day I don't it doesn't matter but that's like I don't know for, for me that's like 100 bucks I'm, no it's not that much but you know it's <laughs> 20 or 30 bucks a week right there you know maybe you'll break free from some kind of mental or physical slavery that you're spending so much time and energy and money on You'll stop doing that. You'll teach your family that by going without, we learn why some things are more important than others. You know what what really matters in life. So I'm not saying these are legalistic things you got to do. This isn't a requirement. This is between you and God. Right? But I think what it's going to do, it's going to put your heart in, a, in, in the right place. And if you'll put your heart into this, I believe it will draw you closer to God. It will grow your faith. It will give you a more purposeful life. And I'll tell you what, Jesus will make it worth your while. I believe he'll, he'll, he'll do that because life is short. Life is short. So don't dwell on the things that don't really matter when there are some things that really do matter. Who cares if you succeed in life at things that don't matter? In fact, maybe some people say you don't really matter. 
But I want you to know that you matter so much to God, so much more than you or they can ever imagine because he sent his son to give his life for you, to save you, to forgive you from all the ways you've wasted your life on the worthless things of this world. Today, I hope you will give up who you've been for who you can become by turning to Jesus, putting your faith in him to be your savior, the one who was crucified for you, the one who rose from the dead so that you could, you could have this new life, that you would turn from, from this foolish unbelief and these sinful behaviors and be baptized into him to be cleansed, to be filled with his spirit and be heaven bound with a forever life. <laughs> 